Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast with the world's biggest Baylor fan. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who had Blaze Pizza this weekend. I sure did, Michael. It's delicious. That's me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother who had Shake Shack. That's right. I hadn't had that in so long, Trey Newman. It's very good. It's pretty darn good. All right. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at College Football Bros, on Twitter at CFB Bros. And now, of course, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash college football bros and you can get bonus episodes and access to our discord uh chat server which has been really fun so far except for ryan saying a bunch of weird stuff but that's a hey, classic ryan got a little sorry. creepy there ryan i did sorry <laughs> all right not even we... sure what i said <laughs> just too many cokes in you and you just start spouting off get a little crazy no it was fun though it was fun uh, all right, we are recording this episode a day early this week on Sunday night, so if anything happens on Monday, if any coaches are fired, obviously we won't be getting to that, uh, but we do have a ton to get to because I think we all agree this was one of the best weekends of college football in a long time. There was just way too many close games, uh, so we're going to count down the top 12 games from last week. So Trey, why don't you get us started with number 12? All right, well, with number 12, we got some action during the week uh there were there were three games this week and they were decided by two three and four points so they were all very exciting toledo they stayed alive in the west winning 35 33 and it was a good win since they were without their starting quarterback guadani uh western michigan they beat ball state 35 31 but uh, this game was great as there were four lead changes in the fourth quarter levante bellamy had 157 rushing yards three scores but he sealed it with his nine-yard run with a minute left. And then finally, Miami of Ohio, they're 4-1 in the MAC East somehow, and, and they upset Ohio. They hit a 53-yard field goal with just under four minutes left to to win by three. And, and what's crazy is, for those that don't know, is their quarterback is Brett Gabbert, the younger brother of Blaine. The younger, younger brother. True. It's like several, several Gabberts. Yeah. And uh, so right now, you said, Trey, Miami 4-1 in the... Uh in Mac the Mac East. They've pretty much locked up. I mean, not quite, but almost locked up the Mac East because they are a game ahead of Ohio and Buffalo, and they beat both of them head-to-head. Yep. And they still have Akron remaining, who's 0-9. Akron is is, is bad. So I mean, 0-9 kind of says it, so I don't think I need yeah. to add on that. So they kind of have an easy W there as remaining. Yep. And the West the West is crazy, though. <laughs> it's so I'm not, I didn't even try to... Yeah. Look at the permutations there. Like everyone has two losses. Yeah, four teams with two losses. Even Northern Illinois got a shot with three. Crazy somehow, but they do. Did you do yeah. the math on that, Ryan? Or are you just guessing? Just I see the losses and it's close. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm guessing Northern Illinois still has a chance. Yeah, yeah. Could be wrong. Okay, <laughs> my next game here. Well, my first game, I guess, is um, UCF and Tulsa. This one was on a uh, Friday. It was a crazy game here both uh tulsa quarterbacks ended up playing pretty darn well uh but the difference was penalties and turnovers clearly that ucf had 10 more penalties than tulsa and they lost the turnover battle three to nothing uh if you look at it from tulsa's point of view i mean they were due for for a win here they're three and seven but they're a competitive team their record doesn't show how 
decent they really are. They had close losses against SMU, Memphis, Tulane, and Cincy. So not totally surprised that they won this game, um, but a great win for them. And UCF kind of struggling here now. You know? Yeah, they've had some close yeah. losses, but yeah, can't can't ride that streak forever, I guess. But yeah, uh, okay, number ten on our list here: Purdue at Northwestern. So this one was back and forth. It was a battle of Aiden's at quarterback. You had Aiden O'Connell for Purdue, Aiden Smith for Northwestern, and Northwestern. So they were up twenty-two twenty-one late in the game. They're trying to extend the lead. There's two and a half minutes left, and they doink a thirty-two yard field goal. No good. So Purdue has their chance. They drive down the field, aided by two, uh, not aided, aided by two pass interference calls on Northwestern, including one that negated an interception. So they were kind of fortunate to to drive down the field, and then they hit a 39-yard field goal to win. So Northwestern is now 1-8 and eight on the season. Yeah, after winning the division last year. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, polar opposite. All right. Uh, Iowa at Wisconsin. The Badgers won this 24-22, but it was weird because Wisconsin went up 21-6 late in the third. It seemed over, but Nate Stanley and the Hawkeyes, they fought back. Uh, Tyrone Tracy caught a 75-yard touchdown pass with three minutes left, but then they didn't convert the two-point conversion to tie. So Wisconsin hung on, and the West is pretty much down to the Badgers and Gophers, but uh, the Badgers are going to need a little help, uh, especially after... Minnesota, of course, won this past weekend. Yes, they will. Yeah, but not a ton of help because all that needs to happen is Minnesota lose at Iowa this weekend. Which yep, and then they, they get to play head-to-head, yeah. Exactly, and then, so, yeah. Okay, so we're up to, uh, let's see, my next one here. We got game number eight of our 12-pack uh, of greatness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, this is Kansas State and Texas. Texas, ooh, they squeezed by here. Real, Really lucky here, but... um it was kind of a game of runs here. K-State went up 14 nothing early, first quarter, looking good. Texas all of a sudden then went on a 24 nothing run, which kind of lasted over the span of two quarters. Uh, but then K-State responded with 10 points to tie it up. And guess who at the last play of the game? Dicker the kicker. Dicker the kicker hit a 26-yard field goal to seal the deal. Sam Ellinger was solid, nothing crazy, but Texas really needed this one if, to stay alive in the Big 12 race. Had they lost it? kind of would have sealed their fate so but you know six and three got a chance yeah i think it was also important win just for for tom herman because if they had fallen to five and four with some tough games still left on the schedule they could have been looking at six and six very easily yep it's true all right number seven in our 12 pack of greatness as it is now called there we go is wyoming at boise state so chase cord got the start here for an injured hank bachmeyer and Wyoming had their chances to win. With 36 seconds left, they had a fourth and one at Boise State's 39-yard line. They got stuffed. And then uh, a few plays later, Chase Cord actually threw a pick. So Wyoming got one last chance. Hail Mary at the end of regulation. Incomplete. And then in overtime, they held Boise State to a field goal. So all they need, touchdown for the win. They, they weren't able to move the ball. And then Cooper Roth, Wyoming's kicker, who I believe was a finalist for the Groz, Lou Grozo Award last yeah, he's year. he's money his career. Yeah, um, missed a 37-yard field goal to tie. So Boise State won. He just won. didn't even catch that one. It was, he just, he got under that like crazy or something. It was bad. Uh, so yeah, Boise State 20-17, to 17, and they are staying alive in that near six race. All right, number six, App State at South Carolina. The Mountaineers, they won 20-15. to 15. They won their second game against a Power 5 team this year. 
But it's funny, they did it with only 202 total yards of offense, but they, their defense did a great job. They held South, held South Carolina to primarily field goals. Uh, Holinsky threw 57 passes, but one of them, he threw a costly pick six at the end of the first half. And, but then it got really crazy in the, on the Gamecocks final drive. They were down five. They converted a fourth and 15 and a fourth and 18, but they ended up not scoring. And then on the final play of the game, Holinsky overthrew a wide open receiver in the end zone. Now there was a penalty on the Gamecocks, so they would, they still would have had, but they still would have had one more chance had they at least converted it. But unbelievable. Just crazy though, that missing that throw so bad. It was so open. And you didn't even mention the 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 drive before I believe uh, South Carolina scored a touchdown. They they converted I think a fourth and maybe a fourth and fifteen on that drive as well. So it was crazy what they needed to do to get back in the game. Mm, yeah, that was rough. Um, okay, here we're at our our next one. Here we're at number five here in our twelve pack. We got uh, Illinois at Michigan State. Uh, you know, in a, in a day of crazy games, this this one might have been the craziest. Michigan State, they went up 28-3 or uh, early in the second quarter, totally dominating. Uh, but on the last play, right before halftime, Illinois hit a 46-yard touchdown pass to cut the lead to 28-10. But, I mean, it was one-on-one coverage on the very last play of half t- before the half. Like, I'm, I'm not sure what Michigan State was doing there defensively. I'm not sure how that happens. But anyways, second half, it was, it was uh, 31-10 going into the fourth quarter, then... Right away in the fourth quarter, Illinois hit an 88-yard touchdown pass that kind of started their comeback. Then they, with five minutes left, they scored to to go down 31-30. They missed the extra point, so they're still down <laughs> one. Thinks that's going to cost them. Crazy. Michigan State gets a field goal on their next possession. Illinois though on their last on their last drive, led to Brandon Peters led a touchdown drive and threw a touchdown pass with five seconds left and won 37-34. So largest comeback in school history and. They're sitting at six and four now. Uh, just a crazy turnaround for Lovey. It is, yeah, that's awesome. Obviously, he saved his job, and things are looking looking good for him. But that last, the touchdown pass, like right before it, they let so much time come off the clock because it was second and goal, right when they got the touchdown. But they they substituted guys in, and so much time was running out. You thought they were. It was kind of like a less miles type situation yeah. where it was like no, 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 but it worked out. Yeah, they got yeah, away with they, it. They got lucky, and uh, Mark D'Antonio. It's definitely feeling the heat from from the fan base even more now. He already yeah. was. I, I think he's safe for this year for going into next year. But next year's they need to have a a, a better year. Well, we have some Michigan State listeners, and they tell us that uh, yeah, the AD is not going to fire him, but he could retire in the off season. There's buzz about that. So oh, we'll we'll see. Yeah, and their season's not done. Like they could have you know one two more losses that could put even more pressure on everybody there. Well. This week might not help. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Number four is Iowa State at Oklahoma, and OU was up thirty-five fourteen at half. It looked like they were going to get an easy victory, but in the second half, Iowa State's defense got a couple stops. CD Lamb had an incredible game, but he fumbled, and then so OU only scored seven points the entire second half. But still, it was forty-two twenty-eight Oklahoma under five minutes left. And it looked over again, but Iowa State drove 80 yards, got a touchdown to cut it to seven. Jalen Hurts threw a really bad pick as he was running out of bounds. And Brock Purdy went down the field and got his fifth touchdown pass to cut it to one. And Iowa State, of course, went for two. Did you guys like that decision? It's hard to say no. 
I, it, you know, underdog going into that game, you get your chance. You you really did not expect to be in that situation when you were down pretty big. Why not go for the win there? Yeah. I mean, the only devil's advocate I had is that they had done a good job stopping OU the last, the previous couple drives. But yeah, when you, if you said you got two yards to beat Oklahoma on the road, you probably take it. Yeah, exactly. And I wouldn't, I would, I would bet on Oklahoma's offense in, in overtime. Yeah. Like I think they, they would have done just fine. So yeah, agreed. Anytime you're a big underdog, I think one play, especially with a good offense against a defense that hasn't been playing well the last couple yeah. games. And I they thought, actually could have called pass interference on that two point oh, conversion. That's the other thing. So yeah, well, they of course didn't get the two point conversion, but yes, it, it should have been pass interference, but they didn't get the call. I think it would have been, they were saying it would have been Oklahoma's first I didn't catch it. It was on, they said it on the broadcast. I don't know if it was gonna be home loss or loss in general. Either way, it's a crazy stat. It would have been their first loss since 1937 where they had a 21 point lead at halftime. Mm, wow. That's crazy. Um, well, fun little nugget from Trey. Yeah. But yeah. so what do you guys think this close win means for, for OU's playoff chances? Well, it, it didn't, it didn't really help. And it's looking, it's starting to look like they might need a little chaos in order for them to kind of get in. I mean, nearly blowing a lead like that at home as a big favorite. And not to mention the last two weeks, their defense is starting to look kind of like the old Oklahoma, giving up 40 points. It's just, it's not the best look. No, they, they definitely need chaos. I, they, they didn't control their destiny before this week. I don't think they did. And they, definitely still don't control their own destiny after this and now it makes it's like okay so you got to think what what's the pecking order of the one lost teams going to be like and you can kind of project ahead uh, the oregon utah debate the pac-12 one lost team are they going to be ahead of oklahoma i think absolutely at this point that they will be this game didn't certainly didn't help i mean it can still change by how those teams perform and how you performs but right now it looks pretty clear to me that they would take the Pac-12 champ over OU. Okay. Unless OU beats Baylor by 100. Well, yeah. I mean, they've got a great chance this weekend to... But no, I, I, I agree with you, Ryan. So, All right. Number three, LSU at Alabama. Now, the to me, this game, it kind of came down to the end of the first half. This was the difference. Alabama, they 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 just couldn't climb out of their hole because of this for the end of it. So LSU scored on third and goal with 26 seconds left to go up 26 to 13. And then Tua threw a really bad pick that could have been intercepted by two Tiger defenders. It was a, it was a really bad throw. And then add on top of that, there was a terrible late hit personal foul that got LSU the ball at Bama's 13 with 11 seconds. And then boom, Burrow threw a touchdown. They're up 33-13. That first half was just, it was, they, Bama looked as bad as they possibly could. It looked like they kind of hadn't practiced. There were false starts, turnovers, offsides, et cetera. Saban walking into halftime said it was the worst first half he'd seen. Yeah, it was. Uh, and early that the, the first drive of the game, Tua just fumbled when nobody touched him. That was oh, just, that's right. just that kind was of a so weird. freak play. So, yeah. It <laughs> but, was, you know, and the punter, they, the punter muffing the, well, fumbling yeah. the snap. So tons of mistakes. It was, it was ugly all around. But credit to Bama. They, they made a, a valiant comeback. They had huge plays in the second half, punt returns, long bombs, but, but the defense could never really get a stop, uh, against Burrow and Edwards Alaire. They always came up big when they needed it. And time and time again, LSU answered. Yeah. This was, uh, 
I, I'm not totally surprised by this game. This was my lock of the week. Oh, congrats, Ryan. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Um, oh, I'm welcome. Wow. I, I, <laughs> hey, you, want free, you want free money or not? <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's just, I'm Joe Burrow, I'm not surprised by the fact that he had such a great game. He's done it against everybody this year. And Bama isn't the best defense that, that Alabama or that LSU had played. So I'm certainly not surprised at the fact that they put up so many points and Alabama really couldn't stop them. So it was, it was uh, just, I guess it's uh, solidifies Joey, Joey Burrow's Heisman candidacy at this point. Yeah, he's going to be, I think he was already at some places, uh, you know, minus money favorite, but now he'll be a, a large minus money uh, favorite, mm-hmm. which kind of, for Jalen Hurts, I know he threw that pick at the end of the game, but you just look at Jalen Hurts' stats. Like, it's been, he's having one of the best seasons ever for a quarterback. So, yeah, he is. Kind of, but sucks Joe for Burrow, him. yeah, kind of is too. No, Burrow, I mean, you can't <laughs> argue against Burrow. It's just, there's yeah. two great, two guys having amazing years. So, uh, so for you guys, do you guys think Alabama's out of the playoff? Uh, no, I mean, they're, they're, they're still alive. I mean, they're kind of on life support a little bit right now. I uh, see. You're you're being very wishy-washy, Ryan. They're not out of the playoff. The hunt, at least. I just said they're not. I know it's what you said, but you should have said it more confidently. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to signify that it's going to be tough for them to make it at this point. Okay. All right. I'll let you finish. I'm sorry. Yeah. Screw you, Mike. Okay. Thanks. All right. So the first thing they need to happen is for Auburn to beat Georgia this week. All right. They, so when that gives... That would give Bama the chance to play an Auburn team later in the year that's top 10, and it would give them, Alabama, a chance at really their only good win of the year. Because if Bama, if Auburn loses this week, and then they would lose again to Bama, then they look, then, then Alabama's best win would be over an 8-4 and four Auburn team. And that's just not going to do it. I don't think that'd be enough. So they really need Auburn. Um, and then they, they're still going to need help, but... They need and they need style points, so I it's it's looking slim right now for sure. I would so I guess I disagree. I don't think it's as bleak as you as you laid it out. I, I think the only question is is how much help do they need? You know, obviously if they get a ton of help, they'll they'll make it. But I don't know how much help they need. I mean, if they if if we fast forward to the end of the season and they have eleven dominant wins, I, I know it wouldn't be obviously a great strength of schedule. But if they have eleven dominant wins and then the only blemish is that loss, a close loss to maybe the number one team, LSU, then they're going to be in the conversation. Like even with, uh, you know, if, if Oregon wins out and they're 12 and one, I don't know who the committee will take. It'll, it'll be close, especially because w- with Oregon in particular, their only loss is Auburn. And if Bama is just coming off a dominant win at Auburn, that would kind of, yeah, might play into the, the committee's mind. But, um, yeah, Alabama still has a chance. They're still in it. Um, yeah, I mean, we we got three locks almost at this point that LSU, Clemson, and Ohio State, uh, I mean, those teams are, even if those teams lose, you would, well, Clemson, Clemson might be tough. No. Yeah, Clemson wouldn't be, but Clemson's not going to lose, though. <laughs> yeah. They're also going to want LSU to beat Georgia. Georgia. 100%. Uh, in the SEC title. Unless Georgia loses, of course, to Auburn. That would but, knock them out. But then, No. That would, that would knock, knock who out if Georgia beats LSU in the title oh, game. Of course, yeah, because then LSU would be ahead of them. But I'm, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, let's move on to number two on the list, Ryan. Yeah, number two, we got uh, Penn State and Minnesota, the other big game of the day. Um, 
Minnesota's for real, man. They put up 31 points uh, against a really good Nittany Lions defense. Tanner Morgan was extremely efficient once again. He averaged 17 yards per attempt, only had two incompletions on his 20 passes. Rashad Bateman, he had a huge game going over 200 yards receiving. And, and what, I, what I love about the Gophers, though, is just they have an identity, you know, and they stick with it. They ran the ball twice as much as they passed, and they set up the pass with the run. And you also got to give a lot of credit to Minnesota's defense. They struggled a little bit starting the year, but they've been getting better and better, especially their secondary. And Antoine Winfield Jr. is playing lights out right now. Yeah, he had two uh, picks. Yeah, he's he, he he's awesome. Uh, but, you know, Penn State had their chances. They obviously had a chance at the end of the game uh, to, to, to win this one. Uh, a good chance, but Clifford threw another pick, his third pick, and so that kind of sealed the deal. But, oof, Minnesota, though. Nine and zero. Yep. Well, before even before that Clifford pick though, they Penn State got it down to the two yard line. They were about to score to take the win or to take the lead, and and it was late in the game, so they would have won very likely. But there was an offensive pass interference call on the play, right. so it knocked them back fifteen yards, and that that was kind of the game right there. That call. Yep. I yeah, I, and I was wrong on this one. I I didn't see this coming, and. Clifford, man, he just made too many mistakes. And those receivers, Ryan and Bateman, but then also Johnson on the outside, they were just, they were just man child uh, out there. They were <laughs> maybe men children, man children, man children. Yeah, whatever you want to call them, they were incredible in this one. Okay, so what, what do you guys think? Where do you think Minnesota is going to be ranked in, in the CFP rankings? Because obviously they were 17th coming into the week, but that's just, they kind of needed that one prove it win prove it game yep they got it so where where do they jump this is like the hardest one for me uh i see that the the ap and coaches put them at seventh and kind of seems right i i I, they're gonna anywhere in that six to eight range i'm i'm totally okay with i i because i feel like it's it's just a matter of if they want to put them ahead of that the pac-12 duo of oregon and utah or just behind them i feel like the the ap well they both both the AP and coaches like they put them in between them, you know. Like I know, so, so it's kinda, but I'm it's weird. I'm just saying, anywhere in that six to eight range is fair. But I, it's this is really really hard for me. Yeah, I, I was thinking sixth. Uh, put them ahead of Oregon at this point, just because they're undefeated <laughs> and they beat a really good team. I, I just, yeah, they beat the number four playoff ranked team in the country. So, and I, I, I they've been playing really well. I have about sixth. Yeah, I, I think sixth as well. I think four or five is still going to be. Well, that's another question is where Alabama is going to drop to. I think four or five is between Alabama and Georgia. Yeah, I go back and forth on this. I guess I would predict Alabama is that fourth, but I could be convinced either way. Um, but yeah, Minnesota at six, I think. And, and you might argue, say, well, why aren't they higher? They're undefeated. They'd be, like you say, a, a number four team. I think the committee is basically treating the fact that their first first four games were against teams that aren't even in the, in the top 60 in Sagarin, and they barely won all of them. I think they're treating those like like a loss, basically. Yeah. Like combined, that's one and a half losses or something like that, which I think is fair because that's a part of your resume, too. Your margin of victory is a part of your resume. So Yeah, I mean, they played like a team that wasn't that great then, so it's part of it, for sure. And and for the Gophers, like even if they're ticked off, like they're going to have their chances, including this week, and then the Big Ten title. It really doesn't have... matter. It's it's win out and you're in, or win lose one and you're not in. Probably, yeah. Although, 
if they lose one and then go beat Ohio State in the championship, I don't know. Let's we're too far into the hypotheticals now. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, okay. Number one on our twelve pack of greatness is Baylor at TCU. And so this is number one because the ending was crazy. The actual game was maybe kind of a snoozer. TCU was up nine nothing at halftime, all three of them field goals. And then Baylor came back, cut it to nine six, and with forty one seconds left, they attempted a fifty one yard field goal. Had to have it, and John Mayers nailed it for the tie. So they barely survived there, get to overtime. Baylor scored a touchdown first, and then TCU had a fourth and nine. They throw it to the end zone. Tavalence Hunt made the catch of the year. Oh, easy. Ridiculous. I mean, at first they called it incomplete, though. It kind of and I kind of understood why. Yeah, it looked incomplete. It looked like there was no way he could have caught it and didn't even look like he like came down to the ground with the ball. But on the replay, you can see his entire body is about to hit out of bounds and he does catch the ball and then he just slaps his hand down in the end zone right before his whole body lands out. So they overturned it and we go to double overtime. TCU this time got a touchdown first and Baylor had a do or die fourth and six. Charlie Brewer hit Denzel Mims for a 21 yard touchdown. So we go to triple overtime and Denzel Mims scores again, but they don't get the two point conversion. So TCU's got a chance. And Max Duggan runs in for a 20 yard touchdown run where he broke like four tackles, including three at once. Just crazy. All the guys kind of ran into each other. And then he tiptoed in for a touchdown. Now they have a two point conversion attempt to go for the win, right? Wrong. Wrong. Very good, Trey. Way to look alive there. Uh, So they reviewed the touchdown run and they said he stepped out at the three and a half yard line. What did you guys think of that? What did you think? That was pretty, that was splitting hairs. I know. I split in blades split of grass. grass like, blades, yeah, yeah, it was. I didn't think they were going to overturn it. I wouldn't have overturned it based on the replays we saw on TV. Um, I just always go back to the motto, like, would I put my life on it that it's the other way? Like, they say that indisputable, and they never really, they always just kind of like, it ends up being a guess. Yeah, like, th- in this case, it was kind of like, well, it looks like he's probably out, so they they called him out. But uh, yeah, pictures afterwards that have come online... It looks more out than it did on video, but still, I'm not sure how I'd bet my life on it. Anyway, um, TCU still had a chance. And after that, there was a penalty, too, that TCU had a first and goal at the one, and they couldn't punch it in. They they didn't get a touchdown. So Baylor held on to win 29-23. Ryan, they are still undefeated. Yeah, Michael, you, you kind of went through a whole spiel there of uh, all this crazy things that had to happen, but... There was never a doubt. <laughs> Charlie Brewer had this one in hand pretty much from the get-go. So they're just toying. They got to make it interesting. Ryan, you're never allowed to talk about Baylor on the podcast without the fight song accompanying it. Yeah, well, until they lose or until they're knocked knocked out of my uh, prediction, I guess, is we should keep that going. Baylor... Baylor, man, they got nine lives. This is just this is getting this is just getting crazy. <laughs> it is. This is getting crazy. I I there's no it you can't even begin to explain some of these games now. Now it's just like, all right, how did how did they win this week? They're they're a team of destiny, guys. Team of destiny? Yep, they're a team of destiny. It's it's meant to happen. All right. Uh let's uh let's move on to the rapid recaps now. Go ahead, Ryan. righty. My first game is uh UW uh in oregon state this one was on friday uh boy washington dominated the beavers 19 to 7 uh really shouldn't have been even that close uh they had, UW had to settle for four field goal attempts only made two of them 
and they just controlled the game from the get-go. Beavers only had 119 total yards, and they have a good offense. So that was yeah. a very impressive performance by Washington's defense. Uh, let's see. Next game here, I got Wake at Virginia Tech. Wake Forest was up 17-13 in the third quarter, but then Virginia Tech finished on finished the game on a 23-0 run to win 36-17. Hokies, they've had quite a turnaround since that blowout loss to Duke 45-10, and then they were sitting at 2-2 two and two at that point. I was like, uh, uh-oh. But yeah, and Fuente they, was kind of like on the hot seat with all yeah. the turmoil in the offseason, players leaving and stuff, but yeah. looking yeah, better they've now. They've gone 4-1 since, and the only loss was a nail biter at Notre Dame. So, I mean, they're sitting in second right now in the, in the coastal behind Virginia and they play them to, to, to end the year. So it, that, that might decide the game there. That would be awesome if that, yeah, if that game decides the division, which looking like it, it yeah, might. it's strong, strong possibility. And remember my prediction before the year was that that game would decide it and that Virginia Tech would win wow. the last second field goal. All right. You want some more, some more yeah. congrats, Ryan, some more congrats. Right. That hasn't happened yet, but just so you're aware and the listeners are aware, I did, you know, keep it in their mind. <laughs> okay. Uh, Louisville and Miami. Miami, they found an offense in this game. Uh, Jaron Williams, he set a Miami record with six touchdown passes, and he only completed 15 passes all game, so it was a high touchdown rate there. Uh, Miami got the, the easy win, 52-27, to 27, to improve to 6-4, and four, so they're looking better. And finally, uh, Western Kentucky at Arkansas. Oh boy! Yeah, got got you fired, Chad Morris. Uh, the Hilltopper, the Hilltoppers dominated the Razorbacks. The game was thirty-eight to seven going into the fourth quarter. Uh, and to make matters worse for for the Razorbacks, it was their former quarterback, uh, Ty Story, who was leading the the Hilltoppers and dominated them. <laughs> that's a little. That's tough to swallow. It is, and, yeah. KJ Jefferson, QB for Arkansas, he was just they their QB play has just been god awful this year. Well, uh, Ryan, there's just a lot of problems on the roster. It's not really Chad Morris's fault, you know. So, oh, oh boy, according we, to him, according to him at least. Yeah, well, it, there's certainly a lot of issues, but I mean, come on, man, it, you can't lose that badly. No, uh, it, it's you know it's, it hasn't even been two years, but I think everybody kind of agrees. It's uh, yeah, he needed to go for sure. Uh, okay, Notre Dame won 38-7 to at Duke. Ian Book was not great through the air. He had two picks, but 12 carries for 139 yards on the ground. So that was pretty crazy. Uh, deceptively fast. That's what we have to say, right, about white quarterbacks that can run. Uh, <laughs> sure. He's got a big stride. Yeah. But unfortunately, Notre Dame lost one of their best defensive players, Julian Aquara, to a broken leg in this one. So that hurts. Uh, Utah State got a 37-35 win at Fresno State. Jordan Love, Utah State's quarterback, finally had a good game. It's been a really down year for him. He lost, you know, all his receivers, his offensive line. So it's been a struggle. But Utah State still moves to four and one in conference, and they've got two big home games coming up against Wyoming and Boise State. So they are still alive. Nevada at San Diego State. San Diego State could essentially have clinched the West Division of the Mountain West with a win here, but unsurprisingly, their offense let them down. And really, maybe a questionable call by Rocky Long at the end of the game might have cost them. So San Diego State, they were down 17 to 10. They had a fourth and six at the Nevada 27 with just over three and a half minutes left. And he kicked the field goal. Say what? What does that do for you? Yeah, I mean... Well, they had they had the timeouts. No, it's they, true. They did have, I think, what, three timeouts? The, I think they had three and they got the ball back, but their offense, like, 
it's not good. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. And they got the ball back. So it kind of looked like, hey, it worked out. But really, it's like, first of all, there was no guarantee they were going to get the ball back. And yep. second of all, you haven't been able to move the ball all game. So when you're at the t- their 27, this might be your best chance to score a touchdown. There's only a few minutes left. So yeah. anyway, it didn't work out. And they um, were a 17 point favorite. Yeah, that's a bad loss for sure. Uh, then my final game here, Florida State won under interim head coach Odell Hagens, 38-31 at Boston College. James Blackman had a great game. They even used Jordan Travis, the, the redshirt freshman transfer from Louisville, in the uh, the Wildcat at quarterback. He had two touchdowns. And uh, Florida State has a chance to become bowl eligible. I think a very good chance because they're playing Alabama State this weekend. Yeah. And as for Boston College, they need either a win at Notre Dame or at Pitt to make a bowl ouch all right my first one is michael's trojans usc at arizona state so Jaden daniels couldn't go for asu and it showed early usc jumped out to a 28-7 lead after the first quarter but credit herm and the sun devils they fought back they made it 31-26 they actually had the ball with the chance to win late but an scd lineman made an incredibly athletic interception to to seal it keaton slovis he was the star 432 yards four touchdowns they're they're a different team obviously with him on the field yeah and the first quarter slovis had i think 297 passing yards which i saw someone tweet was like the most of any player in the last 15 years or something like that oh yeah Crazy. him and amon rossi brown had a had quite the connection mm-hmm uh, next one, Georgia Tech at Virginia. Georgia Tech's been been playing better lately, but Virginia was able to squeak it out, thirty three to twenty eight. James Graham for the Yellow Jackets had his best game. He went fifteen to twenty two and gave them a chance. But but Perkins for Virginia, he had over three hundred fifty combined yards, and the Cavs were able to salt the game away with the in the last six minutes. Tennessee at Kentucky. My Vols, man, they keep winning now. Uh, they were down 13-3 to at half, and then they put in Jarrett Garantano uh, in the second half, and he threw two third-quarter touchdowns. They took the lead. Kentucky, they threw a costly pick in the red zone that could have almost put the game away earlier for, for them. And then at the very end of the game, Tennessee, their linebacker, Daniel Batuli, he had 19 tackles, but his last one was a goal-line stand uh to to seal the win for for the vols so good good job pruitt yeah all right now we've got uh, a bunch of these top 10 teams that that won easy some of the games that actually weren't exciting not many of them but uh maryland at ohio state ohio state won 73 to 14 justin fields had a field day oh wow no pun oh, intended nice. four four total touchdowns you know they just dominated across the board but of course the story here was chase young and him being held out for a potential violation it's going to be interesting really to see how this pans out so with the dumb. ncaa and more facts as they come out but i mean come on and hopefully he's not out long but we'll see yeah that's just stupid i mean it's Anybody who wants him suspended or anything like that is just a a hole. <laughs> <laughs> wow, tell us how you really feel, right? I mean, you know, I, I don't, yeah, I I, know. you know, I, I, whatever, just yeah, just let him play. Yeah. Uh, next, we got Clemson at NC State. Clemson won fifty-five to ten. They were up forty-two to t- nothing at half. They just dominated on both sides of the ball. Venables D, they could do no wrong. They forced four turnovers. Trevor Lawrence looked like his old self. One of his better games. Uh, and Dabo, he was even going for some style points at the very end for the committee. He uh, 
he scored a touchdown with 11 seconds left. Hey, they're on they're on the Roy bus, you know. They they're they're mad. Yeah, that's true. All right, and then we got M- Mizzou at Georgia. Georgia won 27 nothing. Their third shutout of the year. Missouri didn't have Kelly Bryant, so that obviously hindered them. Uh, but that Georgia defense is is still nasty. The offense for Georgia, Fromm just he didn't look all that great. He was only 13 to 29, but maybe they were just going through the motions and they're moving on to the big one against Auburn. But a little concerning. And finally, Vandy at Florida. Florida was only up 14 nothing at half, but then they exploded in the second half. They won 56 nothing. Kyle Trask had a huge game, very efficient, and the Gators D held the Commodores to only 128 yards. Is that is that bad? That, that's not good. All right, let's uh, let's get to our segment for this episode. It is called On the Record. So each of us has to go on the record with our predictions for the three Power Five jobs that are currently available. We will start with a pretty easy one to predict, I would say. Uh, Rutgers. What do you think, Trey? I guess it's uh, Greg Schiano. Yeah. You know, apparently, he's been making facility requests, uh, and sounds like they're they might be bowing down to him for that. But uh, we'll see. I don't know. It's uh, it'll be a lot tougher in round two, especially since Rutgers is in the Big Ten and not the Big East. But yep, exactly. And they're just so bad. <laughs> it's, they are. <laughs> but I, I actually think I think it's a solid hire. Um, I like it now more than I did like a few weeks ago, mostly because he's used his leverage to get those at least commitments for facilities improvements. At least that's the reports and a larger budget for his staff. So those are the kind of the things you need to do to compete. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's probably about as good as you're going to get at Rutgers. I have no problem with the hire if they yeah. if they do end up going that way. Yep. Agreed. Okay, but Ryan, you you're guessing Joe Moorhead. Okay, you're on the record there. <laughs> um, let's get to Florida State, of course. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, this one's a little tougher here for sure. It is very tough. I'd, who knows? It, is it Bob Stoops, Mark Stoops? You don't even know which Stoops it's going to be. No, no. Uh, Mike Norvell, Matt Campbell. It's it's really a toss up. But I I'm gonna have to go on the record, and I'm gonna have to go with Matt Campbell uh, of Iowa State. I think just i think his odds i looked at the odds i think and he's got the best at this point so that's really the only reason yeah that that does make sense it would be a good hire um i'm just gonna go mark stoops as my guess his buyout is cheap which of course is relevant to florida state right now and compared to a lot of the other names on the list at least guys at the top of the list he's one that i know will say yes to the job or i'm very confident whereas bob stoops james franklin of course they might not go. So uh, I think Stoops, Mark Stoops would be an underwhelming hire, but that's my guess. You guys didn't even talk about Deion Sanders? I mean, wow. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, that was obviously <laughs> the hilarious Ian Rapoport rumor, but, uh, you know, whatever. Even if they did, I'll just say this if they did go the Dion route, he would have to have the, an incredible staff around him because he could probably recruit, but that's not really Florida State's issue. So, yeah. Uh, but no, on the record, I will I'll agree with you, Ryan. I say Matt Campbell. Okay, our final opening, which of course just opened, is Arkansas. Uh, there's a lot of candidates out there, of course. This is another tough one to predict. Gus Malzahn is, of course, always the, the first name to not come up. going to happen. Yeah, I'll say it doesn't happen. Uh, some other candidates, more realistic. Not that it's totally unrealistic that Malzahn could happen, but uh, Willie Fritz from Tulane, Mike Norvell from Memphis, Billy Napier from Louisiana, who I think would be the best hire i think of course he's, you do well he's a rising star for sure ryan yeah 
Um, but I'm going to predict that Arkansas is desperate to make a splash and they want more of a proven guy. So I'm going to say Mike Leach. Yeah. He, he seems to be, you know, not super happy with his current roster. And he tried to take the Tennessee job, of course, a couple years ago. He pretty much accepted it. So maybe he wants a change. That's a, that's a good one. Uh, I want to say Leach, too. I'm going to say, I am going to say Billy. Oh man, yeah, I will say Billy Napier. Okay. He knows the SEC. He's from Georgia. He was previously at Bama. Um, I'm going to, I'll say Napier. All right. Just for the sake of diversity here, um, I'm going to go with uh, Mike Norvell. Uh, he's, his name's been thrown around a lot the last few years, and it seems like it's about time he, he gets, takes a, a next level job. How about Lane Kiffin? That's another option. Brian Harson, he coached at Arkansas State. He, oh, I don't yeah. know if he's a big, he's not maybe the biggest splash, but he knows the territory. Bill Clark. He's yeah. A name I've heard. Eli Drinkowitz, app. Yeah, he's had a good first year there. Yep. All right. Well, we can throw out more names or we can move on. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, we're good. Let's move on. Okay. So, uh, so those are the only openings right now, but now we're going to predict which power five job is most likely to become available before next season. And I'm going to exclude USC from this conversation because I'm le- I do you guys disagree that USC is probably the most likely to, yeah, to become available. Close. Okay. Yeah. So besides USC, who would you put your money on? I think we might all say the same answer. I'm going to say Vanderbilt. Yep. Uh, Derek Mason. I mean, it's, there's two. Yeah, that's one of them. But so Vandy, of course, is not an easy place to win. But this is his sixth year. They're two and seven this year. They've only been to two bowl games in his tenure, and they lost both. And it's, it's just it's not going too well right now. No, and he took over a program that was in pretty good shape, of course, after James Franklin. So yep, it's yeah, he deserves to be fired after this long. Although he did make a bowl game last year, so I know, but. I don't know. Getting to six wins, getting to a bowl game isn't quite what it used to be, you know, with the 12 game schedule, but I don't know. Yeah. And you can schedule four easy non-conference when you're in the SEC, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, that, so Vanderbilt's a, uh, that's a, a good one. The other one I was thinking, well, I'll say this, th- there's some that I thought would be here at this point, but they're not. They've kind of had good years. Tom Allen at Indiana, oh, yeah. he was, you know, surprisingly have a good year saving his job. Lovey Smith, we already talked about. I thought he had a chance to go, but not anymore. Justin Fuente, he was kind of getting there. So a lot of guys kind of turn it around for themselves. Uh, but I'm going to say Kevin Sumlin at Arizona's got a shot. Oh, yeah. It's just uh, he was supposed to bring in a lot of recruits and uh, just kind of turn the culture around there and bring some excitement. It's just been pretty bad here. And and he's got, I think they're four and five right now, but their last three games are are all very difficult. So... They could. Yeah. I, was, I was such a huge fan of that hire, especially with Khalil Tate. And Me too. It's just, it's like, it's gone exactly the opposite of what I thought. Yeah. But no, he's definitely feeling some heat. Obviously, Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State, that's another one. He could step down. Who knows what's going on with he Joe Moore? F- oh, wait. Is this just, oh, just r- jobs opening up? This isn't just firing here. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't have to be firing. Yeah. Because I don't, D'Antonio, I don't see him getting fired. No. Me neither, but he could leave. Yeah. I, there, it, there's not many good choices out there at, after that. It's uh, yeah, Steve Adazio. I mean, he's just kind of. That's the next one I thought about, but hard to say. Probably not. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to our Week Twelve picks, and we will start with Michigan State at Michigan. The Wolverines are favored fourteen and a half. Ryan, what do you see here? 
Yeah, at this point, man, it's uh, it's hard to pick Michigan State. They've uh, they've lost four in a row. Uh, and the one thing that you you could always hang your hat on, even if they had their struggles, was they were going to have an outstanding defense. Uh, but man, they've given up twenty eight points or more in their last five games. That is kind of not. It's kind of unheard of there for Michigan State. They gave up 37 last week to Illinois. Yeah, that hurt. Uh, and then you got Michigan, who's coming off of a bye week. And I felt like a few weeks ago, they kind of turned the corner in that second half in particular against uh, Penn State, and they've been doing pretty well since. So I'm going to I'm gonna take the maize and blue here. I mean, no one in the world is going to take Michigan State, but I am. <laughs> Nobody in the world I'm but gonna you. I am going to take them. I, you know, if, the, if there, if there was a game that, that they're going to get up for at this point in the season, it's, it's the Michigan game. And also, you know, I'm, I wouldn't be, I'm not overly confident in giving that many points with, with Michigan, even though they have looked better. I, I totally agree. But the Sparty defense, I mean, yeah, they've given up points, but they've had a brutal schedule and yeah, they're still, they're still a pretty good defense. And it, what's also weird too, is the offense put up over 500 yards of offense last week. I know it was against Illinois, but that, they did at least they ha- they're capable of something. So yeah. I'm going to take the points with Michigan State. Well, apparently two people in the world are going to be taking Michigan oh, State because <laughs> I'm also taking the points. Yeah, I just haven't seen enough yet from Michigan's offense to to lay a line a spread like this. I know, you know, against Notre Dame, that was their kind of most complete game. Although uh, Patterson didn't even have to throw much that game. So other than that, I haven't seen a full game of consistent good offense and yes michigan state has been struggling lately but i agree with trey i still think they're pretty solid defense so yeah i'm taking 14 and a half uh next we have minnesota at iowa and iowa is a three-point favorite that's telling is a spread that that surprised me might yeah might surprise some people some really low iq people i feel like it'll surprise (laughs) oh man (laughs) Um, but uh go ahead trey well this is another one where i think the world will be on the gophers uh i'm gonna go with the hawkeyes yeah everyone's on the gopher wagon i will admit they certainly impressed me they're they were much better than i anticipated but i'm gonna go contrarian they have to go on the road now after that you know huge emotional win might be a little letdown spot and not to mention iowa they have a very good defense. We talked about how they nearly beat Wisconsin in Madison. They only give up over eleven points a game. It's this will be tough for Minnesota. This will this will this will prove it even more to me if they win this one. No, yeah, this would definitely be a, a really impressive win for for Minnesota. And but I, this spread actually did surprise me a little bit too. Which it's kind of fun. So the point spread is telling us right now that these two teams are about equal. And if you had told me before the year that Minnesota was going to be as good as Iowa, I would have thought, oh, okay, that's good for them. That's better than I thought, but nothing crazy. But here we are, and they're 9-0 and undefeated. So it, those two things kind of don't line up. But yep. but I guess it kind of makes sense because, like we said earlier, those four games, those first four games for Minnesota still count. I know they just got a, a great win, but um, I guess you do still have to factor those in. But I guess... I'm sort of not. I'm sort of just assuming that they're just a much better team now, that the last five games are more indicative of, of what they are. And Massey Peabody has this game closer to a pick So all those reasons, I'm taking Minnesota. Yes, I'm also taking Minnesota. I was pretty felt pretty confident in the, in the Golden Gophers last week covering the spread. What was it, like six or six and a half against Penn State? That's I felt pretty good about that. Feel the same this week. I think Minnesota is the better football team. Uh, their offense is significantly better than Iowa's. Uh, their defense, while it's not quite as good as Iowa's, 
it's not that far off, and especially considering the way they've been playing lately, uh, especially that in particular that secondary. So if you're going to give me three points, uh, I'm definitely going to take it because Iowa they they really struggle to score. So I it, I feel like it's going to be a nail biter, uh, but you know got to take the three. Okay, next game Navy at Notre Dame. Notre Dame is favored ten, but I'm going to take Navy. They're only lost this season so far as at Memphis, so nothing to be ashamed of there. They're coming off a bye here and. Malcolm Perry at quarterback is having the best year of his career yep. as a senior for for Navy. He's a really good runner. And Notre Dame's defense, yes, they're ninth against the pass, which is probably not going to help them here, but they're 46th in terms of yards per rush allowed. So I think Navy can have some success on the ground, and I'm going to take plus 10 as my lock. Okay, I like that, Mike. Uh, yeah, I mean, hey, top 25 for Navy. What a bounce back year, man. It was kind of a weird year last year. That they suck so bad, but yeah, hey, good for them, Michael. Like you mentioned, man, Michael Perry is having a great finish to his career here. It's his third straight year of going over a thousand yards rushing. It's pretty impressive, mm-hmm. uh, and he's taken a pretty good jump passing the ball this year. He's in his career, I think he only threw for like two hundred and fifty yards, and then this year he's already over seven hundred. So he's actually added that element a little bit to his game. He's, right. he's only completing fifty four percent of his passes, which although he was at 39 last year so <laughs> baby steps he's, he, they have the ability to put it through the air i'll say through this this year so it's i also agree with that with navy is is gonna cover the 10 points here uh, i'm not gonna make it my lock but i do like it yeah clean sweep i like navy too you know we always say the option is tough to go against but michael you talked about notre dame's rush defense not being as great and then add on to the fact of what you mentioned earlier, losing their defensive end Aquara to that broken leg. That's that's another missing piece again to go against that offense. And that's an offense that's been humming that that Navy offense. So I think they'll keep it close to to cover. All right. Wake Forest at Clemson. Clemson's favored thirty one. What do you think about this, Ryan? <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh it against yeah. maybe the second best team in the in the conference. I don't depends on the week uh but yeah clemson they're obviously hitting their stride right now they're kind of just murdering people um clemson's probably going to score at least 50 in this game based off of the way wakes wakes defense has been playing but i think wake has a good enough offense to get that patented backdoor cover that michael really loves um mm. yeah he loved the backdoor i do, well i do yeah yep <laughs> cover cover. this is what we were talking about ryan you say these creepy things (laughs) keep it in the discord ryan all right sorry um the speak so the back door sorry to bring it up again um it almost happened last week to clemson uh against nc state they were up 42 to nothing and they were covering the spread by about 10 but then they just kind of go into you know shell mode a little bit and NC State, if they just weren't so pathetic on offense, they they would have been able to get that back to our cover, and they really should have. But Newman is our brother. He's much better. <laughs> and uh, I think Wake will be able to to get that backdoor cover here. Okay, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to take Clemson because kind of what because what Trey said earlier, they're just looking to blow teams out right now. They were up, so it was 49 to 10, under three minutes left against NC State last week, and they came out throwing. So... I think that tells you that Dabo's kind of in FU mode right now. Yeah, uh, I, I see your point. I'm, gonna, I'm leaning with Ryan. I'm going to take Wake just because I do also like Wake's offense, Jamie Newman. But they also have those weapons, Sage Surratt at wideout and Kendall Hinton, who also plays quarterback but receiver. 
But the thing, the overall thing about this game is it does kind of suck that one of the best ACC matchups, the 30-point spread, I mean, it tells you this conference really needs the Florida States, the Miamis, the the Virginia Techs to get back. Yeah, it's... There just haven't been a lot of fun games in in that conference. Yeah, no, at least marquee games. So, right. Um, I shouldn't say fun games because what was it? Was it North Carolina Virginia Tech that went like six overtimes or something? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, the last like big when was the last big ACC matchup when when uh, Lamar Jackson was at Louisville? Maybe Probably, I guess. I, yeah, I guess. I mean, last year didn't BC get game day against Clemson? But it was like it was like a probably a seventeen point spread yeah. or more. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think that was last year. Maybe I'm getting it mixed up. But anyway, uh, next game is Georgia minus two and a half at Auburn. Trey, what do you think? It's kind of funny. No one's really talking about Auburn. And and I know it's a stretch. But if they beat Georgia and then Alabama in the coming weeks, they'd have a a pretty good bark uh, at the playoff. But that's a long ways away. And it's unlikely. But, you know, you never know. Now, as far as this game, I'm going to take Auburn. They had an off week to prepare. The Plains are, is going to be rocking. I am concerned about Bo Nix going against this great Georgia defense. They're they're so good. But it's not like at this point I'm having a ton of confidence in Jake Fromm and Georgia's offense because Auburn, too, has a really good defense. So, you know, with these top defenses going at it, I'll just take the the small amount of points at home with Auburn. Yeah, this is a, this is, this is a tough one to pick here. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the other way, though. I'm going to pick Georgia. I know it hasn't been Fromm's best year, but I still trust him more than I trust Bo Nix at this point. And when I look at the defenses, kind of like you mentioned, Trey, I'm not seeing a whole lot of separation. Maybe Georgia's is even better. They've been playing fantastic. So when you put up true freshmen against that, I know it's on the road, uh, and Auburn is obviously going to be rocking for this one, but I am going to take Georgia here. All right, I'm going to go with Trey. I'm going to go with Auburn. I talked about this game in our SEC East preview episode before the season. And oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was Georgia's best chance to slip up. At the time, they were favored by seven. So uh, can I can get Auburn plus seven for this episode? <laughs> That'd be a negative ghostwriter. Okay, well, all right. That was an out-of-nowhere reference there. But yep. uh, all right, fine. I'm taking plus two and a half. And at the time I said, you know, Auburn's D-line is best equipped to match up against Georgia's great offensive line. And I think that's still true. And Georgia's offensive line, I think we can all agree, is not nearly as dominant as we thought it would be. So, um, yeah, just the offense, they haven't put up 30 points in the last four games. Fromm's been up and down. I think, like Trey, I think it'll be low scoring. So I'll take two and a half. I mean, seven. I'll take seven. That's yeah, my yeah, right, right. right. Uh, okay. We are two. The biggest game of Ryan's life. <laughs> Oklahoma is minus nine at Baylor. And game day, of course, is going to be there. So last week in a, a sort of a similar spot, I liked Minnesota going up against Penn State. This time, though, I'm going to go with the road favorite. I, I think the difference here is Minnesota, of course, we've talked about was a team that was getting better as, as the, the season went on. I don't see that with Baylor. It's If you just looked at their play in the last month, they've had three games where it's just basically been a coin flip and they just happen to win against not that great a team. Oh yeah, they so, just happen to win, sure. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> you don't agree? <laughs> they won, clearly. What was it like? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I, they did win, it's true. But, they won for a reason. They're the better teams. All right, well, I think they're getting a little bit lucky, Ryan, so <laughs> I hope I'm wrong here. I hope it's a, a great close game because 
it's awesome yeah. that they're getting game day and why not cheer for the underdog here but i just kind of thinking that OU gets an easy win here i think baylor's luck's gonna run out yeah yeah baylor they are gonna need to obviously generate some stops but they do have a top 15 defense so they 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 might be able to do it but i'm i'm more concerned about their offense they scored 17 against west virginia and then like you talked about earlier mike they only had three field goals before overtime against tcu so they're not coming in exactly humming but now they get to face oklahoma's defense and who seems to kind of have transformed into their old self so i think baylor they'll have some wrinkles for this primetime showdown they might not win but i'm gonna take the points ryan and i'm gonna make them my lock for you wow don't let me down ryan Oh my goodness. Well, I guess I should be happy since your locks have been pretty good this year. <laughs> um, yeah, Trey, you kind of mentioned it, but this is just what the doctor ordered for Baylor. Uh, Oklahoma defense that's given up 89 points in the last two games and over 900 yards of offense. I think Char- Charlie Brewer and that offense will, will be able to get back on track in this game. On the flip side, yeah, so you, they're going to score some points. Uh, but hey, Baylor's got a tough D. They won't make it easy on Jalen Hurts and company. And finally... Waco is going to be absolutely nuts for this one with game day. It's going to give Baylor a little little extra juice. So, shockingly, I'm going to take Baylor here. Um, but hey, but I will say, even if they lose this one, not going to happen, but even if they lose, no big deal. They'll, they still got a chance to, to get them again in the title game, the one that really counts. That's true. All right. Are you nervous, Ryan? Are you nervous for this game? Mm, no, because I know that they're still going to make the Big 12 title game. Okay. All right. Uh, so who do you guys think is going to be the guest picker? Because I'm thinking as an avid... Chip and Joe? Yeah, Chip and JoJo as an avid HGTV <laughs> watcher. Oh, yeah. wow. Could be them. I don't know. I don't know if they're... Does that make sense to have them do it? Or is that... Are they not famous enough? Are they not college football I, enough? Oh, I think they're definitely yeah, famous enough. I think enough. they are. I think they are. Okay. And Chip's a sports guy, so he... I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're Mr. and Mrs. Baylor, so... Yeah. Anyway... Uh, hopefully they can get a sitter for their like 12 kids while they yeah i know <laughs> seriously uh okay let's get to the honorable mentions go ahead trey all right we got everyone's favorite maction we got games on tuesday wednesday and thursday there's going to be five games uh but tuesday you should watch western michigan versus ohio western michigan needs this win to stay atop the east and ohio if they want any chance they have to win the game's currently about a pick I'm going to take Western Michigan. They've been a little bit more consistent than Solich's bunch. And then the other game I'll tell you to watch is on Wednesday, Northern Illinois at Toledo. Toledo's currently a two and a half point favorite, but they need this as well to stay alive in the division. And it's looking like they'll be without their quarterback, Guadani, again. But I'm still going to roll with Toledo. Eli Peters, he's a solid backup who's played a lot. And Northern Illinois is having one of their worst years in, in quite some time. All right, moving on. We got North Carolina at Pitt on Thursday night. Pitt's a four-and-a-half-point favorite, and who would have thought this game would be meaningful? Uh, it's really meaningful for Pitt as they need this win to stay alive in, in their race. I'm going to take the points with, with the Tar Heels since that's usually a safe bet in the ACC. The Tar Heels offense, it might struggle against Pitt's really good defense, but Pitt has the 117th-ranked SP-plus offense, so I think the Heels will stay within reach. Then we got Louisiana Tech at Marshall on Friday night. This is in the Conference USA. It's a tough one. Louisiana Tech, they're unbeaten in conference, and a win here would almost clinch the division for them. Marshall would be tied atop their division with a win. 
but they own the head-to-head tiebreaker with Florida Atlantic, so we know Lane and crew will be pulling for for La Tech. But uh, as far as the game, the Bulldogs have been thrashing their opponents lately, including 52-17 to over North Texas this past weekend, so I'm going to take them. And then we got some more chaos. Fresno State at San Diego State. Michael, you touched on it earlier. This is on Friday night. If San Diego State loses this, the West Division is total chaos. There would be four teams at the top of the division with three losses. Yikes. Uh, so just pure mayhem. But the game itself, both teams coming in off tough losses. You know, Fresno to Utah State in that last second, and then San Diego State as the big favorite to Nevada. The Aztecs, man, they have the 125th ranked offense, but their defense is really good. And Fresno's been a little Jekyll and Hyde this year, so I have a little bit more faith than San Diego State, so I'll take the home Aztecs. All right, and then finally, we got Virginia Tech is a five and a half point favorite at Georgia Georgia Tech. All of a sudden, the Hokies are one of the best in the coastal. Ryan, you touched on how, how hot they've been down the stretch. Uh, I know Georgia Tech has improved under Coach Collins in the past few weeks, but this is a tougher task for, for them, so I'm going to take Virginia Tech. All right, my first game is Indiana at Penn State, and Penn State's favored 14, but Indiana is ranked for the first time since 1994, wow. which is crazy, so good for them, but I think it's only going to last one week. Penn State still controls their destiny in the, the playoff race, so I think they'll be motivated to bounce back. And even though Indiana's 7-2, and two, of course, they're without Michael Penix for the rest of the season at quarterback, and they've accumulated those wins against the 98th-ranked strength of schedule. Uh, next one, UCLA at Utah. Utah's favored 21. UCLA has three straight wins, all by double digits, but their opponents have been pretty weak in those games. And Utah just kind of seems like a team on a mission right now. Tyler Huntley had a bye week to get that knee back to 100%, hopefully. So... With a healthy Huntley, the way he's playing, I'm going to take Utah in a blowout. And then South Carolina at Texas A&M. Aggies are favored by 10. I think A&M is one of the more disrespected teams this year. Their three losses are at Clemson, against Auburn, and against Alabama. But yet, whenever anyone brings up Alabama's schedule, the at A&M game is just seen as like, oh, that's that means nothing <laughs> yeah, blowing true. out A&M on the road. But they're 15th in Massey Peabody. They're not a bad team. So, And Kellen Mond, he's been just as good this year, I think, as last year. I'm going to trust him over the freshman Holinsky. Uh, Alabama, minus 19.5 at Mississippi State. I'm going to take Mississippi State just because if Bama gets a big lead, they might shut down Tua a series or two earlier than they usually would with, of course, that ankle injury. And then I think Kylan Hill can have success on the ground against that Bama defense. And then lastly, I have App State minus 11 at Georgia State. If they lose here, they would be tied for, well, would likely be tied for first place in the Sun Belt East with Georgia State, of course, and Georgia Southern. But both of those teams would hold the tiebreaker. So big game for App State. I think Eli Drinkwitz gets it done. He's got the team playing as well as they they had been under uh, Scott Satterfield. So Satterfield, that's his name. Uh, so yeah, App State. Okay, my first game here is uh, Texas at Iowa State. Uh, Cyclones are actually favored six. Texas really needs this one uh, to stay alive in the Big 12 title hunt. But I don't think they're going to be able to get it done. Iowa State, they're sitting at five and four, but man, they really could be almost nine and zero. They every loss they've had has been by one score, and it, either way, it could have gone either way. Yeah. And 
I think they're kind of in desperation mode right now. And, you know, it's still Texas. Iowa State, that's a big game for them every year. They they always want to beat Texas. So I think uh, Iowa State gets the job done. I think they win by about a touchdown. I'm going to take the Cyclones. Plus, it would help Baylor. So, <laughs> Yeah. Baylor would be in the big <laughs> Baylor would title. pretty much pretty much. be in. Not a, not, a, not a guarantee, but they'd be looking good. Okay. Um, Wisconsin's a 12-point favorite on the road at Nebraska. Wisconsin just ran all over a tough Iowa defense. Jonathan Taylor had 250 yards, so not sure how in the world Nebraska's going to be able to slow them down. And on the flip side, Nebraska's not going to be able to move the ball on the Badgers at all. So I think it's going to be a show. Pardon my French. Oh, man. Wow. Um, so, so I'm taking I'm taking the Badgers, and I'm actually going to make them my lock. Yep. Sorry. Um, Florida, they're getting they're they're giving eight at, at Mizzou. Uh, I bet that we would see Kelly Bryant back in this one. I'm just kind of guessing on that. Haven't heard, but he he missed last week's game with uh, a hamstring injury, so you'd think he'd be able to come back. But even if he plays, probably won't be a hundred percent. And I, I just feel like Florida is significantly better than Missouri at this point. Missouri is really struggling. They, their last three games, they lost at Vandy who Florida beat by 56, uh, lost to Kentucky by 22, and then they just got shut out by Georgia. It, it just hasn't been a good stretch here, so I, I'm going to take uh, take Florida big here. Um, then we got LSU. Uh, they're given 21 at Ole Miss. I'm going to take the underdog here. I'm actually going to take the Rebels. LSU could have a little bit of a hangover after their huge win uh, at Alabama. And Ole Miss, even though they don't have the greatest record, they've been playing better. They've had close losses to Texas A&M and Auburn. So I think they can keep it within the 21 points. And finally, my last game is uh, Arizona uh, at Oregon. Uh, Oregon's favorite 26. Uh, I'm going to go with the Ducks. Arizona's lost four in a row, all by double digits. Uh, Meanwhile, Oregon, they just beat a much better USC team by 32 points last time out on the road. I think this one's going to be a blowout, regardless of if it's Khalil Tater, uh, was it uh, Grant Gunnell? Gunnell, yeah, Gunnell. <laughs> Doesn't matter who's the place for them. Okay, let's uh, close out the episode here with a questionable finish. Northwestern is 127th in the nation in total offense. But this weekend, they might have found the cure. They're going up against a UMass team that is 130th in total defense. Name a time when you struggled with something, but found an easy way to succeed. Uh, For me, it is horse racing. I really struggle just winning bets at that. So what I do is I just don't go. Oh, (laughs) wow. That's a good strategy. That's a really good strategy. Uh, The first time I went wakeboarding, I was horrible. I tried like, you know, seven or eight times to get up on the board. Couldn't do it. And so the next time I went out, before I went, I just watched like a two-minute YouTube video, and boom, that's all I needed. First try, got up, super easy. Wow. Yeah. Okay. NBD. Mine is just the simple task of of working out after work. I used to make excuses, or I just wouldn't do it. Nah, it's dark out, whatever, yada. It's dark out. <laughs> that's a good excuse. I, I set up a... <laughs> it's dark out. <laughs> well, if you went for a run, I go for a run outside, but... Uh, I set up a checklist in my phone calendar, and it makes me feel more accountable. I feel more likely to do it, so that's helped. How, how long are your runs, Trey? We don't need to get into semantics here. That's just curious. Two hours. Oh wow! Yeah, sure. Impressive. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, Ian Rappaport reported that Deion Sanders has emerged as a candidate for Florida State's head coaching job, as we mentioned earlier. What is the craziest college football rumor that someone could tell you and you might actually believe it? That Gary Patterson might retire or take another job. <laughs> I, this is a reach, yeah. but three of the last four years now will be a, uh, seasons that are a, a high of seven wins, and this year it's not looking great, so maybe a fresh start somewhere. I mean, it's not going to happen, but it could. Okay, so so far this season, Mike Leach has called his players fat, dumb, entitled. He's called them babies. He's called them soft. He said his team leaders are either frauds or not doing what they should be. <laughs> So I basically would believe any insult that Mike Leach said about his players. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And yes, that is a shot at Mike Leach. Fair enough. Um, for me, honestly, I, 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 I saw an article today and just for a minute, I, well, maybe like a second, I actually took it seriously. It was an article about potential head coaching, head coaches for Rutgers job and it it mentioned like Tony Dungy. <laughs> oh, okay. And then it that and then it also mentioned John Gruden at the end. I was like, oh no, wait a second. The satire. <laughs> this, is, this is satire. Yep. Yeah, all right. Fair. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get to our upset special. You got to pick a seven plus point underdog to win outright. And I might as well continue my anti leech sentiment here. I'm going to pick Stanford to win on the road at Wazoo as a ten point dog, even though. Stanford lost at Colorado last week in a close one and kind of ruins the whole uh, they're a different team with, with KJ Costello at quarterback. I know. I still think it's true, though. I, I think it was just, you know, a bad game. Close loss on the road is is nothing too terrible. So I, I like them with, with Costello. So Rutgers is getting 51. I think they'll beat Ohio State. <laughs> wow. Now, I, uh, which is crazy. They are getting 51. Uh, I am going to take Houston. They're getting nine against Memphis. You know, Memphis feeling good about themselves. That win against SMU. But Houston, they've been playing some teams tough despite their 3-6 and six record. And they're going to treat this game, I feel like, their Super Bowl. And Memphis's de- defense is vulnerable. So Houston can score and maybe they'll upset, upset them. Okay, uh, I'm going with uh, the Mountaineers of uh, West Virginia. They're getting... Oh, it was 14 and a half or 12 and a half. Help me out, guys. Uh-oh. I, uh, I don't know. Why don't you talk and I'll look it up. Yeah, they're getting double-digit Oh, uh, they're points. getting 14 and a half. 14 and a half. Okay, yeah. 14 and a half at K-State. K-State's solid, but I don't think they're unbeatable by a West Virginia team. It's still Chris Kleiman's first year, and eh, West Virginia can do it. Why not? My analysis for these upset specials are always so on point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, didn't didn't Baylor win at K State like thirty one to twelve? And yes. Baylor's not that good, right? Right, Ryan? No, you are completely wrong. Well, West Virginia almost won at Baylor, so transitive property doesn't work, Mike. Oh, okay. Well, I tried. Yep. Tried to give some some better analysis there. <laughs> well, I mean, it, the analysis is kind of like going against the spread totally so it's hard to give good analysis it's like well <laughs> we're just taking shots dog, but they're mostly just kind of gut feelings yeah, you know? yeah but the the point make the point spread guys are wrong yeah yeah those idiots in vegas yep uh okay that'll do it for the college football bros podcast thank you for listening once again follow us on all of our social media instagram twitter facebook and if you'd like to support us on on patreon we'd really appreciate that as well and we will talk to you next week you've been listening to the college football bros if you have any questions for the next podcast 
email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.